Oh, this is Garage Logic Podcast number 131, April 4, 2019. It was 80 degrees on this day in 1921. Nine degrees was the low on this day in 1954. And here are the uh, ice out dates for Lake Minnetonka. We'll throw in White Bear, too. Yeah. They have to be the same or extremely similar. Ice out date of Minnetonka, uh, April 4, 1860. 1942, 1966, 1973, and 1990. Fireworks Commissioner and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Conditions remain favorable for a garage door opener watch. Friday, April 5, it does not seem likely, but conditions are there. I was consulting the uh, historical records of the uh, Garage Logic garage door opener and was reminded that we opened as late as May 23rd, Oof. 2014. Wow. May 23rd. Was that the year that we still had ice on the lakes for the fish fishing opener? Must have, but we opened yeah. that late. In fact, that was the year the Twins had to reschedule the game. Remember this? I think it was the Mets in town. Mm-hmm. It was snowing. They had a snowstorm during the game. Uh, the earliest opener uh, in our historical archives is March. Uh, where is it? March 16th, 2012. March 16th. 2012. We're way past that, aren't we? Okay, I, I, I have given myself the task. Uh, here's the trouble. When you're trying to put together a positive Thursday show, mm-hmm. I'm bringing it back, maybe against counsel. I, I don't know. When you're putting it together, all the stories that I can't use, <laughs> I have to save because they're so good, <laughs> but they would require me to be angry. I picked up the paper on the way in and uh, walking out to the truck, I turned it over, saw below the fold right down there at the bottom uh, a, 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 a topic that would keep you busy for the birds are back. hour and a half. But I have to be angry about that. I can't the, be positive. The lights, the lights of the city oh, scare yeah. away the migrating birds. And I thought, oh, my God, the show has written itself. We no. don't have to do anything. No, you'll, you'll be hearing about that tomorrow. Okay. 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 But today, I'm, you know, I'm, we don't go to the failed academy. Right. We... Uh, we stay. We look for the goodness in life, don't we, Rook? Uh, we really do, and mm-hmm. I think you can pull a lot of goodness. Are you going to challenge today. me today? Oh yeah, you have one. I already consulted with my man Kenny on the left, and I oh. I just read in the headline, and he said, "Such." Well, you're not supposed to show me anything. I'm not going to show you, but I've got uh, I've got a stack of positive well, stuff. Well, uh, yesterday, uh, uh, speaking to uh, the government, Tim Walls calls for unity, and he was graciously received. Isn't look at that, look isn't at that positive. Look at. That's my very first item. Sure. Unity. Unity. Oh, what does that mean, unity? unity. Yeah, it means you can be together. But what I discovered, <laughs> Joe, uh, is the positive part is in the headline. Hmm? You get into the body of the story. Your your ire might be raised just a tad. I can't do, can't does, do that to me today. Does calling for unity, let me see, I have, I have to try to spin this positively for you. Does calling for unity mean the right needs to meet the left, the euphorians, and then we have unity? I think that's the way a euphorian would look at it. Okay, yeah. I got you. Don't get me angry. No, I'm not. I'm just, uh, isn't that positive that they're welcoming the right? How about this? Qu- Quit Captain Morgan. Him. 
Captain Morgan partners with Lyft, L-Y-F-T, to give away $20,000 in free rides over the final four weekends. How about that? that which seems... is tantamount to Captain Morgan saying, go ahead and get completely bleep-faced right. drinking our product. Blackout. We'll take care of yeah. giving you a ride. See? Blackout That's drunk. positive, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. What is the, positive? What's the liability factor for uh, Captain Morgan? You mean the liberty factor? Liberty. Oh, is it liability? Liability. liability. Well, here's uh, uh, Dylan, who has an inconvenient note. Uh, regarding the opener, I find it noteworthy to remind everyone that the 70-degree reading must appear during the broadcast on a Friday. I estimate the show is recorded between noon and 2 p.m. on any given shift. Back in the call-in days, the broadcast hours were later in the afternoon. Those hours gave old Saul more time to do his thing. Mm -hmm. I estimate a historic late opener this year due to the early office hours. Big fan, love the show, Dylan C. Well, uh, is that a positive wrinkle? Well, it's positive that he's been keeping track of the opener. Mm-hmm. You know, the opener's a, a really significant, it's really one of the only handful of communal events in Garage Logic. Yes. Garage Logic is not a collective, it's not a, it's not a commune. It's not, uh, uh, it's, uh, well, we come together about twice a year. Well, I, I know in my case, when you roll by the Krabby Coffee Shop, you usually get the keep going, pal mm-hmm. signal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think it's positive that. Dylan thought of that little wrinkle before the staff did. What? <laughs> the fact that he thought of that and we didn't. No, I'm I'm completely aware of it. <laughs> but you're right, Joe. The watch still in effect. I'm seeing a high near 63 tomorrow. But I got 65 on my phone. Becoming Ooh. mostly sunny, so things could skyrocket. Well, where is it written that we have to record at noon? If we thought there was going to be an opener tomorrow, why wouldn't we record at 3? That's because the mayor decided he wanted to do the show at noon. Oh, I know, but I'm, I can. You can make an exception on any given day. Sure, it's yeah. not written in stone. Check with the fellows down there. Although if it's going to be seventy at uh, three o'clock, I'd just soon be outside. Right, and that you know, you right miss, you know, now you miss you're positively <laughs> contradicting yourself. So wait, I have. Can I give, give a uh, positive note? You may. To positive Thursday. You may. This is from Kevin McDonald. Hey, Rook, at the very end of a pod, of a few podcasts ago, you mentioned a Joe and Easy dip recipe that had cream cheese, chili, and cheese in it. Well, I tried it yesterday. Uh, prep time was five minutes. I used wolf chili. Myself, the commander-in-chief, and my daughter-in-law loved it. Thanks, Kevin McDonald, Tommy's buddy. Okay. Hmm. Tim so I writes, gave you an easy recipe. I don't think you tried it yet. No, I don't do cream cheese. Oh, my God. Uh, here is a Positive Thursday antidote to the Hofstra University students who want to get rid of the statue of Thomas Jefferson. Sioux Falls is currently building a new high school and a new middle school. After taking public input, the school board decided to name the new high school after Thomas Jefferson and the new middle school after the late Congressman Ben Rifle, who was one of the first Native Americans to serve in Congress. The simultaneous selection of these two men for this honor is significant. Ben Rifle came from very humble beginnings. He was born in a log cabin on the Rosebud Sioux Reservation. He served four years in the Army during World War II, rising to the rank of lieutenant colonel. Following the war, he enrolled at Harvard, where he earned both a master's degree and a Ph.D. He returned to South Dakota and used his leadership skills and education to serve the people in many capacities, including serving as the superintendent of the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in 1960. He decided to run for Congress, and he was reelected four times. During that decade, he was the only Native American among the 535 members of Congress. Ben Rifle was a great living American. He died in his home state in 1990. Thomas Jefferson, who was born almost three centuries ago, grew up in a very different world than did Ben Rifle. 
He played a critical role in the creation and values of this nation. Ben Rifle, who was born two centuries after Jefferson, helped to build on that foundation and move our nation forward. Hopefully students will be inspired to study the lives of both men as they show the arc of American history over three centuries. Both men are worth studying and both men are worth honoring. Well, it doesn't get any more positive than that, does it? Huh? That was very cool. Really neat. Bert says, Joe, towards the beginning of Child 44... Uh, which is a novels I've recommended Rob by Tom, Tom, Tom Rob Smith. Oh, Tom Rob Smith. Toward the beginning of Child 44, Mr. Smith describes a, uh, meaning the author, uh, Tom Rob Smith, describes a scene where the Bolshies are coming for the church bill in order to melt it down for funds. I would submit the idea of using they're coming for the bell when we get further intrusions by the misguided wave <laughs> of socialism. Hmm. An example might be Alexandria Occasional Cortex wants free health care for everyone. Where will the money come from? Eventually, they will come for the bell. It might be your church. Nay, it will be your church eventually. Uh, the positivity there is that's a great phrase. They're coming for the bell. They're coming for the bell. They're coming for the bell. Yeah. They're coming for the bell. We need a sounder. Uh, and uh, Chief Offsite Correspondent Kelsey notes, I find it ironic that the only time there isn't gunplay at the myth is when NRA board member Ted Nugent plays there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. huh? Isn't that positive? Yep. Is that po- How am yep. I doing so far? You're 100%. Uh, Alan Fromm uh, uh, alerts me to a Clearfield, Utah high school baseball coach who, in order to get the moisture out of his infield to get ready for this season, pulled a sushi. Pulled a sushi ray. He doused the whole infield in gas, oh. lit it. He got fired. The EPA is now involved. But I, I think what's positive is I'm not the only guy who's tried to burn down there the you hump. go. In your notebook. <laughs> right. And when, when you did yours, you were stone cold sober. <laughs> Absolutely. But in your notebook, you can say, look at what this guy did. He's right next to me here. Yeah, that reminds me of a, of a scene out of last year's Brockmire where they're playing on a yes. on a ball field that's over the top of a fracking mine, and, and the ball field starts on fire. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Brockmire uh, season three premiered last night. Imagine my surprise! Very, very depressing. Is it still holding its own, or does it? Uh, does the quality it season two wasn't uh, as good as I season had to one? Hit the mute. It was so depressing. Okay. Chuck writes, "I hate to surprise you about walk-up songs, but they started in the late '60s when I was a kid. I grew up in Chicago and rooted for the uh, White Sox back then." The new organist, Nancy Faust, started with a few songs for some of the guys. Gail Hopkins had the Bunny Hop for a walk-up song. Charlie Maxwell, a player from Kentucky, had Old Kentucky Home for his walk-up song. And Pete Ward, a Canadian, had God Save the Queen. She played a few measures of each. Now, I am not sure that they requested these songs, but she have had she may have had more that I cannot remember. Uh, Reavers, that's your job to find out more, but it definitely goes back to at least that. Chuck uh, Geist writes that. My answer, uh, Chuck, would be, uh, I bet she did that on her own. Yeah, the that, organists back then were always introducing little yeah, notes. That's the that's the work of a a, a fun organist. Mm-hmm. I, I, what I realized though, when I listened, to you you brought this first brought this up on Monday's podcast. I realized I'm the only person on the show that has his own walk up music. You do, yeah. You have your own walk up. What song? is your walk up music? Well, hey y'all, oh. Oh. Is that really here's Kenny <laughs> with news. 
Now, From the crappy coffee can't shop. Can't you see me strolling in with my pair of bib, over, bib overalls, corn <laughs> cob pipe, no shirt on, oh. barefoot, <laughs> whittling on a stick, <laughs> whittling. Say our chef out in Montana, Scott Matura. Yes. I'm going to give you this. It's a very long email, but it's a, it's a complete dissection of what constructs the perfect hamburger. I have, I have read it, but mm-hmm. I think you should highlight what... Uh, well... Uh, I said, why aren't burgers just made out of ground beef? And he said the short answer is they still are, but there's more to it than that. Rookie was on the right track, but let me elaborate. But it's too long to read. Right. He actually breaks down the percentages of what kind of meat should be in a burger. and uh, Pork sausage. He, he knows what he's talking about. Oh, and and uh, I'll tell you what. You know who else knows what they're talking about? Grunhofer's Meat Market. Oh, in yeah. Uh, when we call up their website, you get hungry. Looking at the brats. I know. There's 125, no, 130 brat flavors. I'm telling you, I'm pitching a bracket. You get your grilling buddies, you all think they're the best, and then you, you play off the hot pepper cheese uh, brat against the uh, apple porchetta, or you play off a uh, blueberry wild rice against a Parmesan garlic, or a picnic, or a whiskey peppercorn, wild rice, <laughs> blueberry cheddar. Shall I go on? Loaded potato. Well, Please you, do. You beef brats. Uh, they got beef brats, but the ones I'm talking about are pork brats. You grill them. There's no fat. You have to worry about boiling off these. It's lean pork. It's just fantastic. But you're always talking about the brats. What about the uh, the beef sticks they have? They got beef the sticks, meats, jerky, the, I mean, chicken. Easter's coming up. They got everything. Double smoked? Easter? Double smoked ham, baby. Yeah. You know what Double else they have, ham. fellas? Uh-huh. They have a website. Yep. What is it? Grundhoffersmeatmarket.com. Beautiful. Now, is there an apostrophe S in no. that? Nope. It's all through. Straight spelling effect. I just uh, talked to Nancy on Twitter. She was asking me, what's the name of the butcher shop Joe's been talking about on the podcast these past few days? There you go, Nancy. Grundhoffers Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, mm-hmm. right off Highway 61. Mm-hmm. But the website is grundhoffersmeatmarket.com. Boom. One F. One F, but there is an apostrophe S in there. No, there's no apostrophe in web addresses. Jeez. Grundhoffers. We just pulled it up right up there. Look at that, right there. There's an an apostrophe. No. On the website, not on the address. On the title. Oh, 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 yeah. Joe was looking up near the wheel of thought. In your defense, in your defense, (laughs) Joe was looking at the logo for Grundhoffer's Old Fashioned Meats. We were talking about the actual website. It's true. You should defend it. It's grilling season. You bring your uh, (laughs) bring the flavor to Grundhoffer's to your bring the flavor of Grundhoffer's to your next cookout. They've got it all: beef steaks, roast veal, and chicken. Highway sixty one in Hugo. I think we need to double bill these guys for that one, huh? They got a little too much no, there. Oh, it's fantastic. I'll take stuff. my payment and brought right. fantastic <laughs> stuff. Say uh positive Thursday continues uh, with this reminder. The conditions are continuing to be favorable for a garage opener. Watch. That is not a warning, it's a watch only. a man who spends hours in hardware stores sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. A woman in Canada jumped on a young mountain lion and pried its jaws open to rescue her seven-year-old son as he was mauled in the backyard. Wow. Yep. Chelsea Bromley saw her seven-year-old son, Zach, was being mauled by a young mountain lion in their backyard in the 
town of Lake Cowichan, British Columbia. The boy's father, Kevin Bromley, said his son was pretty close to near death and that he was lucky that a young mountain lion was involved in the attack. Are we going to learn that, uh, like the guy in Colorado, was the neighbor's house cat? No. <laughs> Zach was airlifted to a hospital from their gated community home with wounds to his arm and head. He is now recovering. Uh, he's old enough to grasp what happened. Kevin said he started to cry when he arrived because his son was covered in blood. Jeez, ben York, a British Columbia conservation inspector, told the Globe and Mail, that's a Toronto newspaper, that Chelsea had wrestled the mountain lion off her son, leaving her with some minor bite marks on her hand. She told me she couldn't do it for two to three seconds, but then she screamed help and it just let go and ran off and there was blood everywhere. Uh, so mom, mom's positive here. Mom wow. jumped in. A second mountain lion was at the scene. According to reports in the Globe, uh, the Globe and Mail, but it is not clear if both animals were involved in the attack. Conservation officers responded and said they tracked and killed the two mountain lions. They said they were young and quite thin, suggesting they were hungry. Yeah, yeah they were trying to eat the kid. So uh, Scott Norris, a British Columbia conservation inspector, said seeing cougars on West Vancouver Island is common. So they uh, they live in God's country out there on one of the islands. Jeez, but then to see your kid full of blood. It's incredibly beautiful up there. Mm. You and I've Reavers. never been to the Northwest. Oh. I covered a game in Seattle, a couple games in Seattle in that in that uh, horrible dome they had. The King Dome. The Seattle, yep. the King Dome. Good God, that was a, just dreadful. But I never got out into the city or out into the environs. The, the sound, you've got to get on a ferry and go over um, mm. to the island. It's just absolutely amazing. How did you amazing. miss that? That would be so up your alley. That would just be... <laughs> One was a... I think maybe it didn't cover much there. Maybe just a Viking game. Oh, I mean, with well, the Vikings, you're just in and out. It's not too late. I mean, you can no, always I, go. You, sure, sure. I was uh, up there one time, and we decided to t- see if we could drive all the way to Canada and, we got about an hour or so north of uh, Seattle, and I made her turn around because the bridge we were about to go over was way too high for my comfort. You can't oh. do that? No. I made her turn around. I'm not going over that bridge. Yeah, yeah. But wait a second. Before you move on, you and Chris alluded to something um, about the mountain lion in Colorado and the jogger. What, what yeah. is this? Turns out it was. Weren't you here for that? No. no. What? A mountain liar, a mountain... A, a runner in Colorado. I, I know that story. Wrestled a mountain lion and won. I know That's that. the story. Although, but it turned out that it it, it was, was a, pretty much a, a pup. It was an infant. Yeah. And it's still had a pacifier. But it, you know what? Was I'm it not taking pet? anything away right. from the guy. No, no it, it was wild. It was a wild mountain lion, but it, it was a baby. It was... So it was trying to lick his face? Right. Is that right. what you're saying? <laughs> it was just nestling up against us, trying to Stood get that back scratch. Was it purring? <laughs> I'm going to give you a quiz after this. I come home this. with you? <laughs> I'm going to give you a quiz uh, following this. These Dark. are the best U.S. cities to raise a family. Hmm. I'm going to get my pen out. I can't find them. Oh. Where in the hell are they? That's positive. Are we talking tall buildings, city? Just a minute, Kenny. Shut up. Because <laughs> I'm already compiling Number 10, Bozeman, list. Montana. Oh. This is put together by uh, Market Watch. And the criteria, uh, criteria are, uh, you know, the population, quality of the schools, affordability of housing, child care, daycare options, recreational Bozeman's amenities. incredibly scenic. 10, Bozeman, Montana for raising a family. 9, Morgantown, West Virginia. 
Morgantown, Morgantown West, West Virginia. Virginia. Never heard that, that, that's got to be in the hills. Uh, 30,000 population. There's always something for families to do here, whether it's attending cultural and sporting events at West Virginia University, fishing at Cheat Lake. That's a good name for a lake, Cheat Lake. <laughs> or experimenting uh, at the Spark Imagination and Science Center. Okay. Number eight, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Population 79,000. That's in northwest that. Arkansas. That's a pretty big metro area. Fayetteville is home to the University of Arkansas. Just oh, as hey. Morgan uh, Morgantown is directly south of Pittsburgh, yeah. quite close actually. Morgantown, home to uh, what did I say? West Virginia University. Yeah, and uh, here's uh, Fayetteville, home to the University of Arkansas. Uh, number seven, Oak Park, Illinois, uh, fifty-two thousand. Uh, Oak Park. I don't know where Isn't Oak that Park a is. Suburb? It's a uh, it is a Chicago suburb. Yeah. All right. Number six, State College, Pennsylvania. Hmm. State College, Pennsylvania. Are you building up to your... Uh, I think I know what it is. All right, just a minute. I won't blow uh, it. Bloomington, Indiana is number five. Got it. Home Blue- of... Uh, I'll pass on that one, Bloomington, too. Indiana. Bloomington. Uh, <laughs> number four, Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, that isn't that is, where the guy had the mountain lion? Uh, that's yeah. the home of Colorado yeah. State University. That is northeast Colorado. Beaverton, Oregon. Uh, are they? Is there a school home there? Home of the Ducks? No, I don't think the no. ducks are there. Number Oregon two, State might be, though. Number two, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Isn't that the home of the University the of Michigan? The Wolverines. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the best place, number one, Moscow, Idaho. Uh, located on the western border with Washington, Moscow, Idaho. is home to approximately 25,000 people. Also home to the University of Idaho. All right. What, so uh, what distinguishes these somewhere. cities? What distinguishes Got these it. cities? Go ahead, Rook. Uh, no major metropolis. They're all reasonably far away from the country's tallest building. Yep. Yeah, none of them have a major league team, do they? Nope. What else distinguishes these, which is somewhat oxymoronic? Got it. Yep. Two for two, I think. Positive. Uh, they are close to institutions. Well, they're all close education. to the... They're all home to a failed academy. Right. Oh. And yet the uh, the uh, conditions hmm. to raise a family are the best. And it's it's the family that the uh, that the rulers in the salon and the uh, people in the failed academy, so, uh, they tend not to pay a great deal of attention to the, um, to the nuclear family with a mom and a dad and a right, couple of kids. Right. So you're calling BS on the list. Well, I don't know why, uh, what was in it for MarketWatch to make sure all of these towns, virtually every one of these towns, is home to a failed academy. Well, this is marketing. I guess. This but what promotion. are they marketing? The failed academy. The lifestyle. You, well, but you wouldn't bring your family... If your son or daughter's going to Ann Arbor, to, to Michigan, you wouldn't bring the whole family. You wouldn't move there. It says there are so many factors that contribute to having a happy family life and childhood, which is why we use a diverse set of kid-friendly measures to come up with our list, such as the availability and affordability of daycare, the number of other kids to play with, the quality of local schools, transportation options, cost of living, and number of parks and libraries. Uh, okay. What's Bozeman home to? Montana State. Montana State. State. Yeah. They're all uh they're all college towns. But Joe Bozeman is not a lefty's town. Trust me. I I, I go through Bozeman twice a year and it's uh it's you a got, cowboy's dream town. Okay, man. but you got lefties invading Montana right and left. Oh yeah. And snapping up the ranch lands and yeah. having their big estates and yeah. but uh isn't that interesting that there is not a single 
if you know these these lists are worth the paper they're printed on. But there's not a single town closest to the country's tallest isn't, building. Isn't uh Kenny, is, is it Bruce Willis? Doesn't he have a gigantic ranch in Bozeman? Oh, yeah, many might. of them do. Michael Keaton, uh, Bridges. Uh, it's a it's a Hollywood playground. It's a it's a nice uh, it's a nice area. There. Our buddy Brian Zepp does a morning show there now. Does he really? Yeah, that's Zephyr? where Zepp, that's where Zepp went. Hmm. Yep, yep. Did you ask him if you could do traffic there, Bozeman? <laughs> I might have. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. The only problem is there isn't any. Well, that's a dream true job. job. That's why he didn't get it. <laughs> and it's also why I wanted it. Doesn't Eric Ted, just drove by in his truck. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't Ted Turner have the uh, multi-million acre type deal going on out there? Uh, yeah, but it's not in the Bozeman area. I think it's on the other side of the pass. All right. On the east side of the Bozeman Pass. Well, but I can't be sure. I've almost motorcycled that far with the help, of course, of products I might acquire from Dennis Kirk. DennisKirk.com, Minnesota's own DennisKirk.com. More than 160,000 products for you and your bike. Fast same-day shipping, best guaranteed prices, satisfaction guarantee. You buy a helmet, she doesn't like it, or you don't like it. You buy a jacket, she doesn't like it, you don't like it. Doesn't make any difference to DennisKirk.com. They'll pay the return shipping. And at DennisKirk.com, order by 8 o'clock yeah. today and get it tomorrow. I got something you're not going to return, and you're going to love for the rest of your life. Is it life. on the website? And you can buy it at DennisKirk.com. Motion Pro Mini T-Handle. You know what a T-Handle wrench is? They yeah. come in three-eighths yeah. uh, with a three-eighths yeah. uh, mail on it. Yeah. And it turns your lame socket wrench into a power driver. Ooh. I've got three of these. My kid has a couple. They're great, great gift items. And they're really cheap. All of them are under 20 bucks. Isn't it fun website? Oh, I love searching tools. And Dennis, uh, DennisKirk.com has a ton of tools. Minnesota's own DennisKirk.com. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. When are you gonna challenge me? I challenge. Oh, or do you want it now? I'm, 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 you know, I'm in a vibe. I'm in a groove. I'm, right. I'm being positive. Uh, oh my God! I did mention failed academies though during the best places yeah. to live. Story. Well, but it wasn't, wasn't really a failed academy story. No, it wasn't. It was factual. It was factual. Right. And now when he beats you down with his, I'm going to prop you back up with mine because mine truly are well, positive. Well, but he's... Uh, the, the, I, the, I know the bit. The I know ta- the bit. It's not a bit, Kenny. We don't call it a bit. This is very sincere stuff. Uh, <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you, Kenny, is that it's not a bit. Yes, what, yes, what, what, what's supposed to happen here is that he, he may think he's going to beat me down, but I have to turn it into a positive. Okay. All right. I guess you could call it a bit. And I ran this by the soul man. All right. And he's just started laughing. All right. I thought I had audio for this. I, I, I thought I did, too, but I'm just going to read you the headline and a couple of graphs. Well, there is no audio? No, and I don't think you're going to need it, because right. I really don't think you're going to in any way be able to make this positive. Well, that's my job. That's it's, right. You know, it's he not really easy being challenging you. Okay. Uh, this comes to us from our good friends over at City Pages. Okay. Read Already you. I'm in trouble. Right. right. Hold back. Withhold. I'm going to read you the headline. <clears throat> this is from a Susan. Is it Do or Dow? D U is her last name. I have no idea. Do you? Yep. Do. The final four won't make Minneapolis rich, but maybe it can make us happy. Hmm. Last fall, the Minneapolis City Council approved spending nine hundred thousand dollars to cover part of the cost of hosting the final four. 
According to a study by Rockport Analytics, which estimates the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship will, be, will bring 94,000 visitors spending $142 million, Rockport is the same firm that calculated the Minneapolis Super Bowl would generate $343 million for the Metro. Minneapolis should be skeptical of Rockport's rosy analysis, says Victor Matheson, a Ph.D. grad from the University of Minnesota who is now president of the North American Association of Sports Economics. After the street, it's, uh, the Super Bowl studies have shown that the biggest sporting event in the United States usually generates anywhere from $30 million to $130 million in some cases, not even enough to cover the cost of hosting. Mm. Quote, the rule of thumb is... We use it just to take the decimal point off official projections and move it one place to the left, and that's probably a pretty good guess of what you're actually going to get, Matheson says. Your he's, response. He's wait, wait, he's, um, let me give you an, uh, let me paint an audio picture. Thinking. He's frowning. He has an upside down <laughs> smile. He is, he is soaking this into his positive Thursday brain. I'm getting there. I'm and he's leaning back. He's reclined. He seems relaxed. Well, this is easy. A little bit, little bit of tenseness. I, I'm, I'm what, sorry. What's your name again? Uh, this was Miss Vu. Susan. Du? Susan Do. Susan Do. Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't difficult. What are you, is, uh, how are you? What's going on? Well, we finally uh, have an example here of uh, a news gathering institution not buying the BS. That's a very positive. Oh, no, no, he no, got no. me! Oh, spin. Okay. Wow. oh, he got me! Oh. Usually, it's pretty good. Usually, usually, what we've been accustomed <coughs> to is a, a cheerleading story in which she would have bought the idea that this thing is going to actually generate. Uh, any money? No. Instead, you're getting uh, you're getting a pretty good look by uh, Ms. Do that uh, I'm not buying your BS there. Analytics. Uh, we're wow. not going to make any money off this thing, Mr. Sushere. You, tr- mm-hmm. you truly are the great one. Oh, yes, it's, that, it's it, so that was easy. Hey, 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 that was easy. Laid on too sick there. Kay. That was easy. That was, you know what I, that was? That was nothing. I thought the headline alone would cause you to blow a gasket. I, I remain. I remain calm. You did. I remain patient. Uh, Kenny, you don't even need to lift me up. No, I uh, I was prepared to dig you out of the depths. No, no, we're good. due to his sabotaging because I have truly good news, not stuff that's going to try your patience. This one I picked just for our old pal, the Rook. Joe, when Kenny speaks, I can hear radio <laughs> dials changing channels all over the Twin Cities. Uh, it's still Whoops. happening. <laughs> Whoops, I didn't mean for that to come out. Thanks, Frank. Is that Frank and Cheryl? That's Frank and Cheryl. They appear on Thursday, yes. don't they? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Frank. Yes. Researchers have unearthed a new discovery at the ruins of Pompeii, a fast food restaurant. No back way. In the day, back in the day. Pompeii, uh, of course, uh, went down with the uh, volcano. Uh, God knows when that was. Uh, Thermopylae, uh, where they had, uh, oh, it's called Thermopylae. Okay. Uh, and and the, as the name of Greek origin would suggest, drinks and hot foods were served, and these goods were stored in jars, which were embedded in the masonry serving counter. Huh. You walk in there, and you'd give you know, give me uh, some uh, olives, uh, artichoke hearts, or uh, whatever. I'll have some pea soup, right? Maybe a pizza, primitive grill. Yeah, this is uh, this so so fast food is not a new concept. Wow, they were franchising out way back then, mm-hmm. huh? Mm-hmm. Researchers have unearthed a new discovery in the ruins of Pompeii, an ancient eatery known as a thermopoleum, akin to a modern-day snack bar where patrons got drinks and hot food. Huh. I uh, Maybe not a version of the crappy coffee shop from, from way back or a primitive one, but 
uh, it sounds like um, that goes food back to seventy nine AD. Right, food. Everything is food based. Everything in the world. The, the entire world is food based, and you can't get around that. No, the entire world is math and food. You can't get around math. That's I'll everywhere. give you that math, but math food, food. I mean, this basically the reason people went to other places. Where does uh, to find better food and spices and stuff? Where does sex, drugs, and rock and roll fit in? <laughs> Below food, they're not in there. Depending how good your sex life is, <laughs> the Roman city of Pompeii was I'd devastated. Read. <laughs> the Roman city of Pompeii was devastated following the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 A.D. Pompeii was quickly buried by volcanic ash, killing 2,000 of the city's residents and burying the Thermopylae. Hey, that'd be a somebody should get that as a new name for a fast food place or a new uh, a beer hall. What's it called? The Thermopylium. 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 Doesn't exactly roll off the uh, tongue. Well, it's. Would kinda, you like to go to Thermopylium with me? Thermop. Boy, we must have got a lot of words from those Latins. Uh, that them their Latins. Them Latins over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can get auditorium out of that. Thermopylium, auditorium. Uh, a place where you, one hears you things. You can get all that. You can get them. I can Is get that you. auditorium? Is that what a I uh, can get you Thermopylium by 3 o'clock. You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Sierra Nevada snowpack at 161% of normal. California's water has been taken care of for the year 2019. Wow. Good. Mm-hmm. That's positive, isn't it? Because Very they were positive. really fighting over it. The most important snowpack survey of the season in the Sierra Nevada was recorded Tuesday at 161% of the historic average, the fourth best reading in 40 years, and good news for the entire state. California's water supply for the next year is in ideal shape, and the rainy season isn't even over with yet another atmospheric river. Forecast to arrive Friday with full reservoirs and a dense snowpack. This year is practically a California water supply dream, Department of Water Resources Director Carla Nemeth said in a statement. However, she got to do the downer part here. Okay, be However, careful. we know our long-term water supply reliability cannot rely on annual snowpack alone, and we'll take an all-of-the-above approach to build resiliency for the future. Okay. Okay, yeah, fine. State right. water officials consider the annual April 1 snowpack reading in the Sierra Nevada to be the most important of the year for planning summer water supplies across California. Isn't that wonderful? After more rain in the Bay Area and snow in the Sierra Nevada mountains, Tuesday, Wednesday is expected to be dry. Have you seen the burst of wildflower growth in the desert in California because of the rain? I have not. So I've much not so, attention. so much so that they've had to bring in uh, police to monitor the crowds taking pictures really? of the wildflowers that have just sprung up because of the rain in the desert. Have they become a nuisance? Yeah, it's beautiful, though. It's just how absolutely beautiful. No, the tourists have become a nuisance. Yeah, the tourists have become a nuisance. How okay. far away are they from flooding and then complaining about that? Well, that's Too coming. much water. That's, that's coming. Yeah. No, that's coming. It's not very positive. But there's no, uh, there's no mention of climate change in here. Uh, you know, nature tends to repair itself all throughout time in places like California. And uh, they have a wonderful, wonderful supply of water awaiting them for the coming year. Now, if they were smart, instead of spending money on drag queen hours at the library, why not? Uh, well, I know that wasn't very positive. But no, why wouldn't you take some political risk and figure out new ways to preserve more of that water? Maybe new, maybe new dams or, or what? But right. in other words, in other words, uh, is there some way to harness it, or maybe they've already done that thoroughly enough? 
Maybe I, you've already done that thoroughly. Yeah, enough. I, don't, I don't know, but that's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Of course, it but is, you Kenny. want that sitting around getting all swampy and that's gross true. for the next year. Yeah, that's no. true. No, but there's got you put a bubbler in there. But I love how that lady uh, planted the seeds of doubt and said, "Well, we still have a problem. We're yeah. still going to have to steal somebody else's water in order mm-hmm. to survive." Which is essentially what they do. What are you doing, Ruck? I'm, I want to see pictures of the wildflowers. Well, they're all over. Uh, they they they're they're native uh, to the desert, and they spring up when they get enough when they get enough moisture. You can find them. You can get them. All right. Get them. You know, if you're out there, you can get them. You, you can get them. Uh, let me uh, take a short break, please. You have been inundated with countless home and auto insurance ads lately. Did you listen to the ads? What were they telling you? They are on your side? Well, I hope so. They've seen a few things. That's pretty obvious. I truly don't know about this one. You're in good hands and double check. What's that? What does any of this do for you? Nothing. They are all one company with one agent and no options. Call the Canopy Group. Their message is clear. You get 16 companies and 20 professionals. As your home and auto insurance needs change, the Canopy Group will help you find another insurance company to meet your individual needs. No fancy ads, just the simple promise of providing you with the best insurance coverage at the best price. New clients enjoy an average savings of over $600. Call the Canopy Group at 800-967-3389 or visit online at thecanopygroup.com Truth, Justice, and the Souchere Positive Yeah, Positive Thursday, bro. Did he get a hair transplant? Is he one of those guys who fool around with the hair? Joe? Yeah, of course Joe, he might be Because I saw a picture of him in 1972 He's got more hair now Oh, really? really? I think he had the uh, oh. surgery. Uh, in any event, Joe is positive. He'll be more respectful and mindful of personal space. And from now on, from now on, he'll just be asking people just sit on my lap. Oh, see, he won't be. He won't be. Go- he won't be trying to go. Come in, Rangoon. You know, he'll be going to the dial. <laughs> Hansy Uncle Joe. David Copperfield. <laughs> Mister Hands. Very physical fellow. Wasn't that yeah, W's very... line? That was W's line. Yeah. What? Who's my favorite magician? David Copperfield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I thought it was now, Doug Henning. You know, you might wonder when I when I tell you this. Uh, <laughs> Joe, how is this going to be positive? A man who has never felt human now lives his life as a dog, and he barks at people, and he has, you know, he has the dog suit. Woof! And uh, he's a he's a dog. He's a human pup. He said, "And I never felt like a guy, and I eat my meals out of a dog bowl, and I wear a dog mask, and I often bark, lick, or bite, uh, you know, his friends." His name is Kaz James. He's thirty-seven. Uh, he claims he's been a dog since childhood. Whoa. And says he always felt weird and unable to relate to others before finally allowing the pup persona to shine through in his late teens. That's huh. when he became a, you know, a full-time dog. He's a store manager from Salford in Greater Manchester. He has had help uh, from an online pup play community and open-minded friends uh, to transition from part-time pooch to confident canine. Does he have bad dog teeth? Does he call I, I, himself a furry? I don't know. He's a full-time. That's, that's uh, what they call themselves. Uh, he's a self-professed full-time orange, brown, and camo canine. Uh, and he barks at friends. He carries things in his teeth. Uh, My question is, knees or feet with the butt in the air? How do you get around? Uh, or do you just walk on, on your hind legs? 
Outside of work, he can be found in customized rubber outfits, masks, dog leads, harnesses, and even a $2,000 fur suit. I don't ever feel like a human. I have always felt like a dog. No. Mm-hmm. I, I was known by my friends. Dog. I was known by my friends for saying hello to them by grabbing a hold of the collar of their shirt in my teeth and biting or licking them. I wonder if, you know, what else dogs do? <laughs> That'll get you a beat down. Yeah. Right. Well, just yesterday, my uh, I think I'm married to my neighbor's dog. Yeah. He got very, very familiar uh, Did you with have an me. attractive leg on? Did some well, socks that were... No, no, a little higher up. <laughs> uh, it's nice to meet other people who believe this, he said. It was only when the Internet was installed at home when he was 17 that Kaz discovered other like-minded pup pals. Uh, he's single, which is not uh, surprising, uh, unless I suppose he could find a, a female dog. I'm well, sure they, somewhere. They mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. My parents took early retirement, and we moved to a farm in Norfolk, and it wasn't until the Internet arrived that I started chatting with people, uh, and uh, I was uh, nervous to to uh, reveal that I, I was a dog. Uh, but he's now a full-time dog, and I think the positivity here is he'll never need a dog. Yeah, right. Yes. He got it. He's, he's, a, he's a dog himself. He's built right in. <laughs> he doesn't need a dog. For some reason, I have a bunch yeah, of... a cheap date. <laughs> I, I have a bunch of furries following me on uh, Twitter, Joe. Really? Yeah, they're, uh, yeah, you they're know, screwed I'm, up people. Among, among all of you clowns, I'm probably the most liberal when it comes to, you know, different lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I'm confused. I'm just not sure where to go with these. I just don't get it, y'all. I'm trying, but it's, yeah. Wasn't that the convention Big Boy ran across when he was in Phoenix for a ball game? Or was it D.C.? No, no, I think Patrick encountered the... the animals in Indianapolis. I, I want to say Indianapolis. Oh, okay. and for he, maybe a final four. Uh, or he something. had a chuckle. He had a chuckle. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you got to see this. He's, uh, these guys got tails and the whiskers, and they're walking <laughs> on all fours with a leash on. <laughs> you can't tell me that it isn't sexual perversion of some kind. Of course it is. There, it has to be. There's a show on uh, what is that show that took over for History Channel? Um, Vice. Okay. And it's on Sunday night, and it's called Slut Ever. Don't, uh, don't know it. Hosted by a lady, and she delved into this a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, you're right. It is, it's, it's a tad bit sexual. Mm-hmm. You want a positive obit? Yes. Hey, two weeks ago, there was an obituary in the Sunday Pioneer Press, mm-hmm. and the person's name was Obits. Really? O-B-I-T-Z. Huh. I, is, this, I, is this the obit from that a rascal, uh, that crazy rascal that was making the rounds yesterday on Twitter? No, no. Is uh, that the one you referenced on your Twitter? Y- yeah, oh. y- we really should print that out for Such because it's a it's a wonderful. Well, obit. I saw it. I saw it. It's you not as good as this one. Uh, really? Okay. Tim Schrant, age sixty three of Spillville, Iowa, died on Friday, March twenty nine, twenty nineteen. A funeral service. Uh, they're going to have uh, the visitation at St. Wenceslaus Catholic Church in Spillville. Tim Schrant made his last inappropriate comment on March 29th. If you are wondering yeah. if you may have ever met him, you didn't. This, because... this is it. Oh, okay. This is it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was looking at a different one yesterday. You, uh, you, you would remember. For those of you uh, that did meet him, we apologize. As uh, we're sure you're probably offended. He, <laughs> he was world-renowned for not holding back and telling it like it is. Tim was born to William Schrant and Mary Schrant Manning on June 11, 1955, 100 years too late. Given to uh, Tim's demeanor, he would have been the perfect weathered cowboy in the Old West, or rough and tough pioneer, or maybe he just should have been Amish. 
And he looks just like a cowboy yeah. from 1885. Tim was the fourth of eight kids, the bottom rung of the top tier. Instead of taking his place on that rung, listening to the older kids and doing as he was told by his older siblings, he decided to anoint himself king of the four little kids. Tim <laughs> spent his childhood and early adulthood ordering them around and, in general, tormenting them. He was this. a great orator, not like Shakespeare, more like Yogi Berra, <laughs> as he always had something to say and always had to get in the last word. His position as king and orator was challenged by the nuns at St. Wenceslaus School in Spillville. He may have met his match. We're not saying the nuns won, but they put up a good fight, and we mean that literally. He got into a fist fight with a nun. (laughs) In fairness, she probably started it. You didn't take a swing at Tim and not expect one back. Tim's fondness for authority, his own, not others, followed him to South Winnesheek School in Kalmar and later into the Army. This provided for many interesting episodes and stories, detentions and demotions, and a few run-ins with the law, not just locally, but globally. (laughs) Tim worked at Camcar, Stanley, Black & Decker, and Decora as a tool and die maker for 30 years. He worked with many friends and a bunch of morons. His words, not ours. Well, not exactly his words, because that would have included a bunch of swear words. Tim leaves behind a hell of a lot of stuff that his family doesn't know what to do with. So if you're looking for a Virgin Mary in a bathtub shrine, you Catholics know what we're talking about, you should wait the appropriate amount of time and get in touch with them. Tomorrow would be fine. In a d- but no, the way that is written is wonderful because tomorrow would be fine is mm-hmm. is not part of the previous graph. Right. It's all alone. In addition to his stuff, he leaves behind two great boys who he was extremely proud of, Cody and Josh. Uh, and they were the product of his marriage to Crystal Hilmer. He will be missed by his two granddaughters that he adored and taught to cuss, Peyton and McKenna. (laughs) Also left to keep the stories alive, but damn, there won't be any new material, are his mother, Mary Manning, and siblings, Mike, uh, Shrant, Marty, uh, Becky, Bill, uh, whatever, uh, and many nieces, nephews, and cousins that wanted to hang out Uh, near him because you just knew he was going to say or do something good. It's not that he was such a great storyteller. It's more to the point that he was the story. To his siblings' amazement, he was actually able to snag a good woman, Cheryl Murray, and hold on to her for the past 13 years. And as far as we know, restraints were not used. Tim also created great <laughs> memories and stories for Cheryl's kids. He will be leaving a reun- he will be having a reunion with his inf- infant daughter Ashley, his brother Duke, his dad Bill, many aunts and uncles, and a handful of cousins that passed before him. Tim was in charge of getting the beer and ice for our family reunion, so they will be happy to see him. A common line in obituaries is he never met a stranger. In Tim's case, he never met a rule he couldn't break, a boundary he couldn't push, a line he couldn't cross, and a story he couldn't stretch. Another common obituary phrase is he'd give the shirt off his back. Well, Tim was prepared to do that, and he could do it quickly because he always wore his shirts unbuttoned three-quarters of the way down. (laughs) Despite his crusty exterior, cutting remarks, and stubbornness, there is actual evidence that he was a loving, giving, and caring person, uh, evidenced by the deep sorrow and pain in our hearts that his family feels from his passing. Tim led a good life and a peaceful death, but the transition was a bitch. And for the record, he did not lose his battle with cancer. When he died, the cancer died, so technically it was a draw. He was ready to meet his maker. We're just not sure the maker is ready to meet him. Good luck, God. We are considering establishing a GoFundMe account for the G. Heilman Brewing Company, the brewers of old-style beer, as we anticipate they are about to experience significant hardship as a result of the loss of Tim's businesses. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. 
words, he was probably just one hell of a guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. If you want to read that, it's on my Twitter account, MSP underscore traffic. How, which, how could something that long be? I thought Twitter was 140 characters. Well, it's no, a you, screenshot of the you, you, link. You, you put a link in, and they uh, click on it and follow the link. And uh, the link. GL Podcast will retweet yep, it. Yep, absolutely. Right. Cool. He sounds like the kind of guy who would have shopped at DennisKirk.com. Think so? Yeah, if he was a motorcyclist. DennisKirk.com. Order it by 8 o'clock today. You'll get it tomorrow. And uh, they pay for return shipping on stuff if it doesn't work out for you. We'll be back in a minute. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. I don't know. Just positivity. It's really not us, is it? No, keep going. Keep going. I've got some material for you. Well, when this single mom needed a car, a 13-year-old boy decided to sell his Xbox to, Xbox to buy her one. Crystal Preston, a single mom of three in Fernley, Nevada, had been going through a tough time financially. Her oldest child, William, had tried to help out by mowing lawns and cleaning yards in their neighborhood. Crystal wrote in a Facebook post that the weeks leading up to her son's showing of generosity had literally been hell filled with so many tears, anger, confusion, and heartache. In the midst of this turmoil, she said, William informed her that he had bought her a car. Wow, what a good kid. I, of course, laughed and said, yeah, right, she called, but he insisted that he was telling the truth. Uh, As it turns out, Williams had seen on Facebook that a local woman wanted to sell her 1999 Chevy Metro. I don't even know what a Chevy Metro is. It's the tiniest of half cars. It was really cheap, so I asked her if I could trade it for the Xbox, and she agreed. And uh, she also wanted some yard work. So he did that, and uh, he said he was inspired by seeing a YouTube video of another family surprising their mom with the car, and he said, I wanted to do that. I completely lost it. I started crying. Crystal said on Facebook, I'm so proud of my son. He may have his days, but OMG, what 13-year-old do you know uh, who would buy his mom a car? It doesn't say there in the article, was it it backyard work? Uh Uh-huh. You know, I saw this uh, story last night. I was flipping channels, and I saw it on the uh, the nine <laughs> channel nine with uh, Jeff Passwalt and Jim Rich. Uh-huh. Yeah, and Passwalt had such an incredibly funny line. They did this story, and they come back for the happy talk, and Passwalt says, "You know, Jim Rich has some uh, ninety nine metros like that that I've seen him driving over the years. Are you are you doing any yard work? For- it was such a it was such a shot, and Rich played it fine. Jim Rich is a great guy, but it was just you, you know perfect. the car, right? It, it's basically I don't know the car. It's basically smaller than the Yugo, and you remember the Yugo, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. It's a tiny little car. Every yes. time I see a story like this, because I also saw this on the news last night, and the the first thought that comes to mind is this story is basically everywhere either online in in the news and whatnot if you're if you're mauer chef if you're the valley group if you're one of these places don't you say hey we got to use whatever let's let's get down there i forget the city but i I recognize it now that i'm seeing it okay when i read the story i'm such a cynical creep the first thing i thought was yeah good luck paying for the insurance lady yeah what would be on a 99 metro yeah. Twelve bucks. Well, here's a kid, uh, and this is a Michigan kid. Uh, he's uh, he's been drawing the attention of passersby because he takes a trash can full of dirt out to fill potholes on the street where he lives in Muskegon Heights. Dirt. Twelve year old Monty Scott. 
Uh, he decided to do something about the road conditions near his home after his high school was released for a half day, and he noticed the street disrepair was having a real effect. I didn't want people messing up their cars like my mom did, Monty said. If somebody were to drive down the street and hit a pothole, mess up their car, spend six to 700 bucks on their car to get it fixed, they would be mad. So Monty uh, dug up dirt from his backyard, put it in a trash bin, hauled it out to the street, and started filling the uh, the potholes. That little so. boy is out there fixing the street. That's bleeped up, said a neighbor. <laughs> but, but they can't get the city to do what it. What a muddy quagmire he's making. Uh Everybody he, knows you use Class 5, Such. Gravel? Yeah. The video, uh, his mom took a video of it. It's got more than 80,000, uh, 84,000 views at the time uh, this uh, non-story was, was released. But, <laughs> but it, it was positive. Well, it's I, had, I had it's to reach for it. I had to reach for it. It was positive. Uh, You're digging at the bottom of the barrel. Let me. Let, I, this, I, this, I really this, is, this is crap, Joe. I really did. I found God these one, two, three, four stories all connected in today's business section, and they're all good news. And eh, nobody cares. Stocks. You care about this, my friend. Yes, I do. Dow rebounds, ends with modest gains. Yep. Stock recovered from a late afternoon bout of selling on Wall Street to finish modestly higher That's yesterday. up and down every day, Kenny. That's not positive. The Investing next. is easy. Now's the time to invest. Invest now. Time now for Joe and Pat's piping hot stock take. <laughs> Mo Money. I thought for sure fiat would make me rich. The next one down, uh, economics. Small businesses add 6,000 jobs in March. That is really good news. Don't we have the lowest unemployment rate in history? We do. Mm -hmm. And then the one that I really like, down to trade, report this feud we're in with Asia is hurting their economics. So hopefully they're going to come to the table with their hat in their hands and we can handle that. And then the bar right next to it. Um, and all of these stories, by the way, involve mm-hmm. our president. There's a reason why things are going so sure. well. Uh, and the story here, Trump directive clamps down on counterfeit goods. And that, my friend, is all good news. That is wow. very positive. Kenny's negativity was very positive. That's positive. I, I like being positive. Yeah. I'm a happy guy. And then locally, I found one story for you. It's from uh, down in uh, the town I, I like to call Stinkopee. <laughs> well, we call it Shakopee. We have many listeners in Shakopee. But the new name is Stinkopee. And that's what I'm rolling with. Why? Why is that the new? What name? have you been hanging out with my kids? Uh, because of the uh, river flooding. No, it's the um, the mulching. Is there a factory there? Yeah, the mulching thing the uh, natives got going down there. Shakopee. Uh, city netted just $300 in turf rental fees this year for their auditorium, so they have decided their uh, indoor auditorium is going to remain ice. All year round, really, giving the local hockey teams and okay. the figure skaters a place. Because face it, we need more ice in this town in the summer. I'll mm-hmm. say we do. So uh, Shakopee's coming through. They're not going to put their stupid fake grass in their auditorium. They're going to keep it ice year round. I call that very. That's good very news. positive. What's the arena I'm thinking of that was on Highway 100 in St. Louis Park? Help me, somebody. Bur- uh, not Braemar. Not Braemar. Um, oh boy. I, I can picture that it. it's still there. Wasn't it a Quonset-looking building? Kind of, yeah. yeah. That had indoor ice in the summer in the 60s. Are you sure it's not Braemar? I think it is. I think it is, too. No. But Braemar's Edina. Braemar's That's not St. Louis Park. Oh. Uh, shoot. Off of, right off of 100, you right can see it from 100, the... maybe 107, uh, 5, that area? Yeah. No, I was thinking, well, I don't know. It's, it was a long time ago. It was the mid-60s, but I skated there in the summer. Hmm. They kept so they kept year round ice, mm-hmm. and it was 
A, a covered? Yeah, it was, an, it was like an all-rich arena. Oh. Only it was okay. whatever it was over okay. there. I don't know if it's still there or not. I don't think it is. Was it by Breck? No. Man, that's one thing I do not really miss is uh, summer hockey camps yeah. for the kids. Oh, that man. was Mike Foley, probably at St. Paul Academy, had the best hockey camp in the cities from 1970-whatever until I forget when he retired. What the hell is the name of that? Um, Ricks. I'm looking it up, and I'm, oh, here's a history of, give me some time. Would it have been north of what is now 394? Or what is it I south of 394? It it's not Halleck, is it? No, no. It's not important. It's not important. Well, Never mind. We're certainly dwelling on it. Well, I'm going to move on. What was the, uh, speaking of the, the, the piping hot stock tip. Yeah. Didn't, uh, speaking of Patrick, what what was the one he offered? Recently, more recently, he had a stock tip. Joe, we, we got it. Fiat didn't work out. Oh, yeah. He had some product or he had an invention or something. Cannabis. Uh, yeah, he wants to get involved. Oh, in, that's right. In, in the, the industry. industry. He wants to get involved in the industry. Yes. Joe, we got to really get rich. Invest in that wacky weed. <laughs> People are on the you door. Better buy a stock of Burritos. Yeah, we need another big fatty. Here's from the UK. Avon and Somerset police are seeking a group of men who broke into a knife surrender box and took the bin's contents. The bin, which was bolted to the side of a building like a Sharps disposal container in the doctor's office, was filled with knives that had recently been surrendered. According to a report in the U.K.'s Metro, the theft took place March 13th, and the suspects were caught on camera. Police have been collecting the knives through the surrender box as a move to promote knife control after a 52% spike in knife crime over the past year. Uh, so so uh, they have really, really uh, uh, strict gun control in uh, England, in London. Yeah. And so now people just kill each other with knives. And then you surrender the knife after you kill someone. Note is, you know, the positive note here is that somebody actually put their knife in the bin. Somebody actually <laughs> surrendered their knife. You know, and, those, and then the thieves took the knives. They thought it'd be a great, uh, like a a potpourri of of knives well, to. Well, mm-hmm. we had a program here a few years ago where you turn in your firearm right. and, and you and you get a knife. You get Dairy Queen. <laughs> you get a knife. You get a knife. Give you a knife. I can't remember what they gave in return. I don't I think, think it was a bread. Wasn't that with Sharon Sales belt? Uh, like a prison shiv or something? Yeah, they, uh, you got a knife. They had the tape on the handle. <laughs> yeah, a knife made out of a screwdriver. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's mostly for poking, but you know, right. you never hear any of. Well, see, I was going to venture off into something no, no, not, no. not very positive. I would just say it parenthetically. You rarely hear of uh, the knife problem in the UK from our local mysterians. Uh, it's a dreadful, dreadful problem. It is. I wouldn't want to be a tourist right now in in uh, London. You walk down the street and somebody's going to get you with a knife. That's not very positive. No, it's not at but all. But it was positive that you have some uh, Londoners who did take their knives to the uh, to yes. the bin box yes. bolted onto the wall there and turned them in. And it's like the, it's like sending a parcel. You can't. There's no. There's no return. You can't. Once get you your, drop it. Yeah. Yeah. You, there's no way. Say one size rarely fits everyone. That's why you uh, have to look around for your insurance coverage, and that's why Federated Mutual Insurance Company tailors the insurance program you need to your business. They offer prop- They offer everything, but most principally property and casualty, life, disability, income insurance. Uh, their marketing representatives are the key. They get to know you, the business owner, how your business operates, then they give you the customized coverage you need. If it's driving, they'll take care of you with auto liability or look at the headlines today. You might want to consider data compromise coverage. 
Your business is unique. You need an insurance carrier who treats it that way. Get in touch with a Federated Insurance Marketing Representative to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive because it Federated, Owatonna, Minnesota's own Federated, it's their business to protect yours. I just looked outside. Mm -hmm. The watch uh, continues, but it's a gray day. Uh, I believe some light rain's expected, but the, uh, the forecast on my phone calls for 65 tomorrow. Conditions uh, remain favorable for a garage door opener, but this does not constitute a warning. Does okay. not constitute a warning. The earliest opener I can find in the archives that I uh, kept in the uh, dusty file cabinet in the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, we've got a. Uh, I see a May. I see an April sixteenth. Uh, last year was May four. Jeez, uh, I see an April seventeenth. But again, the earliest would have been March 16 in 2012. Hmm. We had a run of 70s and 80s in mid-March of 2012. Golf courses were open on St. Patrick's Day. I remember that. Do we know anybody that could give us a long-term next Friday forecast right now in the next few minutes? Is Dahl back yet? I, we had an email from him yesterday. He's got to be back. Well, your phone gives you 10 days out. No, not mine. I go as far as, like, Wednesday. Well, my phone goes 10 days out, and we're looking at... But the, I use the official na- National Weather Service. I don't use one of your cruddy little dumb apps. I, I use the National it, it, Weather Service. It's, it's, as far as I know, it's not an app. It came with the it's phone. It's the National Weather yeah, Service, what do they know? <laughs> hey, uh, I, according to an article in the Star Tribune, 2016, August... After strong response, gun buyback closes early in Minneapolis. More than 150 guns were bought from residents Saturday. Well, that was so, what you got then. You got money. So cash. You got, you got a, um, it was a visa card because a 63-year-old grandmother went to her local fire station with a 38 in her bag, and they said, we were done. It was a visa gift card that you would get back. Pillsbury United Communities ran out of money, having handed out more than 25000 in wow. gift cards wow. for about 150 guns. Let me do the math on that. Holy mackerel. Who are you trying to call, Mr. Dahl? Uh, he's back at work now. Nicole is in. Is, no, it's probably, she's Whoa. probably yeah. by now. 166 would be the average per gun. $166 worth of Visa card. For some piece of crap, old, rusty junk that hasn't been treated right and has the number scratched off. Right. So they're buying scrap metal because they're destroying all those firearms. Well, what do they do then with... I wonder if they test them first to see if they were involved in any crimes. Well, if they they've might. scratched off the the serial number, how yeah. do they know? How do they trace? Is there another no, way? There, to, there's no no. It's that's, just done. That's why they scratch the numbers off. Okay, dead end. Right. I traded all mine in. I got a Visa card. Yeah. But I, 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 Kenny's right. I believe there was another one in maybe what the late '90s or early 2000s, and this was 2016. So that could not have been a long campaign. Yeah, it wasn't the first one anyway. If you're grilling, get to Grunhoffers and Hugo. If you're biking, get to DennisKirk.com. And if you're a business in need of a customized insurance program, get to Federated Insurance, and they'll all take care of you. All I can think of is brats right now. And if you would like to join us... uh, as a partnership on Garage Logic, feel free to contact us. I think now's the time to get in. Uh-huh. Now's the time to get in. Be yeah. a staple of the Garage Logic podcast. Because we're hearing some, uh, yeah, what, we're hearing we're some hearing, great things. You should probably call today right. instead of on Monday. We're hearing some great <laughs> things. If you would like to uh, uh, join us, uh, we would more Pretty soon it's going to be too late is what you're saying. That's what you're saying. More Pretty than soon love it's going to be too late. You.
Right. Yeah, you wait too long and you're going to get the owner of the Krabby Coffee Shop telling you to keep moving, pal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to ask you how your weekend was. Say, we'll have more news tomorrow regarding the opener. Conditions remain favorable, but it only constitutes a watch. This is not a warning. All right. If you would like to see the flagship website, we've got everything for you. All sorts of great features. What's on Suchi's bookshelf? The latest book he's checking out. He referenced Child 44 earlier today. Also, Greg Holcomb's latest creations. Easy to find. GarageLogic.com. It's GarageLogic.com. A lot of podcasts that maybe you haven't listened to while you're sitting in the car. Enjoy it. Rate us on Apple iTunes. And thanks for tuning into the Garage Logic podcast version. Catch you next time.